Hello, welcome to Jeffrey Podcast. My name is Gordon and I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And we're here to talk about today's featured artist who is Otis Redding and we'll talk through his albums and pick our favourite tracks and rank the albums as we go, creating a playlist which you can find on Spotify and Deezer. On social media you can find us as at Jeffrey Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. And now you can also find us on the interweb on jeffreymusic.rocks and that's rock r-o-c-k-s and that's a website that john has just written yes yes we've uh, consolidated all of our past rankings and put them on there so you can read our rationale and you can read the order of the albums we put them in what songs we picked which doing it i realized some mistakes we'd made definitely when you're sort of writing it and you think i probably got these We've probably got a couple of albums wrong here or we, we picked possibly the wrong tracks. But never mind, it's done now. We always say they're a kind of snapshot in time, aren't they? And uh, they are they are there now. They're out there. So anyway, you can read that on jeffreymusic.rocks and there's links in there to various sort of songs and uh, videos from the bands and stuff. Yeah, I definitely, having read through it, I felt there are things I would rank differently now, definitely. Yeah, yeah, but never mind. No, let's move on and create another flawed ranking yes that's right let's look <laughs> forward to our future mistakes rather than, yeah, our, rather yeah. than our error strewn past so today we're doing otis redding before doing the research for otis redding did you any experience of of otis no not really i mean obviously i knew the obvious you know dock of the bay and, and stuff like that and i'd heard of him and and things but no not a, not an artist i knew much about at all you yeah, the, the same, really. I think I, I knew Dock of the Bay, not really anything else at all. Not really listened to much soul music at all. I think as a child in the 80s, when you think of soul music, I think of Alexander O'Neill in a white suit. Billy Ocean music. or something like that. Yeah, and it's not stuff... I mean, I still think that new soul, most of the ones that... Most of the stuff that I've heard is not something that really appeals to me. But th- this is different. Well, I've, I think... The way we sort of approached this in the past has been picking artists that we've really liked and just spending a lot of time with them, or at least one of us really liked and spending a lot of time with them. Whereas this is what we're trying to do in season two a little bit is actually reach out into new areas of artists that we don't know as much and we'd like to learn. So this was the first in that idea of let's stretch our horizons a bit. Let's op- open our open out to, to new experiences, new music that we don't know as well. And we thought, let's let's try a bit of soul. Let's try a bit of Otis. And realised we didn't know what the hell we were talking about. So this is uh, fertile ground for more erroneous rankings, definitely. Definitely. But we did re- read a rather long book. So we both read Otis Redding, An Unfinished Life by Jonathan Gould. Yes. Yes. Now, I know you found it an easier read than me. So how, how did you find the book? Well, I, I actually really enjoyed it especially uh, like the criticism of the book of course is that it goes around the houses and it spends a lot of time not even talking about Otis Redding talking about the context of the development of black popular music in in America back in the sort of 50s and 60s and therefore it takes an age to even really get to Otis Redding himself and certainly Otis Redding as a musician and that's a fair criticism however that is still really interesting stuff I thought and as I was reading it I thought god I'm so glad we decided to do this and stretch out into stuff we just didn't really know anything about because I was I really felt I was learning loads about stuff I just had no idea so I I actually really liked it although I admit that as it sort of went on and on 
I was kind of waning slightly towards the end. What about you? Well, I, I initially struggled with the book. The first, it's 460 pages long, the actual book, if you take out the index and everything. So it's quite a long book. And the first bit, as you know, is a lot of racial history rather than any, and very little about Otis Redding. And although it was interesting, I, I did struggle through the first bit. After sort of, I think it was about 180, 200 pages, when Otis started being a professional musician, I, I sort of managed to, you know, I read it sort of quite easily then and sort of got through it quite quickly. But it's that first sort of 180 pages, I, I did struggle with a bit. But I think it's worthwhile doing. A little bit of an edit wouldn't have gone amiss, but it's not been done and it's won lots of awards. So, Well, I think the, I mean, I think the context it, it talks about, I mean, I, I had never knew how i suppose soul music if we're calling it that developed and how it sort of came out of that sort of gospel tradition and people like ray charles the importance of people like him and uh little richard and uh chuck berry and those those people and how they, they'd come out of that tradition of the sort of gospel music and brought that into that secular setting and, and just the whole way that had developed and the resistance they had at first and the sort of the kind of sexually charged side of it which a lot of the white population found as a threat and this the, the, i mean otis redding as well obviously this sort of massively charismatic big sexy fella the, what he faced in terms of that kind of uh, you know the environment he was operating in I, I found all of that really really interesting and okay it probably didn't need quite as much but i i don't know i, I just thought i think i was just quite excited about the fact that i was learning so much yeah yeah fair enough yeah i as i i, I did enjoy the, the vast majority of it it's just um yeah so some of the just the just the bit at the beginning really it did sort of drag it out a little bit but even further on but when you get a new player coming in that you would get quite a bit of background on that person but some of that could be really interesting yeah that's true sometimes that did that did go on a little bit too much where every single character was given a fair amount of context that they didn't necessarily need but a thumbs up overall for the book definitely yeah yeah oh absolutely and I, as I said, I did really enjoy it. And it's a, a proud member of my collection of musical books. The other thing I did was look up other rankings of uh, Otis Redding. There aren't many, but I managed to find four, which I've collated and come up with a sort of super ranking of everyone else, which um, we can look at at the end and see if we agree. OK, yeah, let's look at that in the sort of in the outro part and we can compare. I know personally I don't agree with it, so... Uh... We'll, we'll oh, well, it'll be interesting we then, won't it? Yeah, it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. One, one thing that I did pick up on on seeing the Monterey thing and and some of the other live albums that are on Spotify and and other providers. Now we've branched out to using other providers as well. Was just how bloody good he is live. I mean, or was sorry, just how good he was live. He's just such a good performer, and such a, an, an incredible singer. And I'd never really known that because if you only ever know about Dock of the Bay, which is a fairly sort of gentle mid-paced song. You don't necessarily realise just how powerful a sort of vocalist and presence he was. I certainly enjoyed the Whiskey Go-Go concert. I've not really yeah. listened to anything else yet. That's the sort of the, the next section. Yeah, I listened to that as well. I really liked that. Because they do, they do talk through that quite a lot in the book as well. So I quite enjoyed the reading about it and then actually listening to it as well. But it just said, I mean, how, how people around at the time who were just really kind of like, if he was playing Whiskey A Go-Go, which I think is on Sunset Strip in LA, who, you know, every sort of top film star was turning up to see him. He was really big news. People were really quite excited about seeing him. 
Otis has a few different albums that some people rank and some people don't. We're just going to go through them all in chronological order and then say whether we're actually including them or not. But we're basically going to stick with the, the solo albums. So the first one is Pain in My Heart, which is an Otis solo album, so definitely is in- included. What did you think of this one, John? Well, I think it comes across to me as a bit of an amateurish sort of hodgepodge thing of it's got a couple of singles, a couple of B-sides, quite a lot of cover versions. The main sort of single on there was Pain in My Heart, which is a rip-off really as well. So I, I think actually Stax, obviously is famously on Stax Records, Stax seemed to be pretty amateurish from what I can tell and not very good at getting the best out of Otis. And a lot of the songs on here seem very, very quickly thrown together. They fade out. They're not really explored that much there. You know, like I said, they're just a few kind of a lot of um, cover versions of quite old stuff as well, stuff that had gone out of style to some extent. So I kind of, I kind of, I like it in places, and I certainly like some songs on it. And you can certainly hear how good Otis is, or at least how talented he is, or how what potential he has. But I don't think it's a particularly well put together album by today's ears. What about you? I agree with most of that. I mean, this does sort of predate a lot of sort of proper albums, doesn't it? When people started making sort yeah. of proper albums in, in the yeah. way that we sort of have them now. Sort of, the, you know, even the Beatles were not particularly... I think the Beatles for Sale was out this year, which is similar in that fact, although Beatles did write some of their songs, they were still doing sort of rock and roll covers as well. And, and they were recording an album in like a day or two as well, because the mo- you got your money from touring and albums weren't seen as the money spinners that they later became. So it's quite expensive to buy an album for people as well. Yeah, but I mean, album sales were beginning to pick up from this point, weren't they? Which is when, why yeah. they saw it as important to release albums. But I think the, the sort of skill of putting an album together hadn't quite been got by a lot of people. And this was sort of thrown together, definitely. It's sort of a mixture. It's sort of half rock and roll and half half soul. And the quality sort of is quite mixed. Considering all those negative points, though, I do think it's actually reasonably enjoyable to listen to. What I did find, though, with as a, with the book, I ended up listening to Otis a bit longer than I actually planned, and I found that I did tire of this one, although I initially sort of enjoyed it. And I think it's it's one that hasn't really benefited from continued playing. No, I think that's right. I liked it more at the beginning. I first heard it, I kind of thought, blimey, Otis Redding's quite a good singer. Gosh, you know, I was because I didn't really, as I said, I didn't know much about him. So I, I was quite charmed by it initially. But the more I listened to it, the kind of more I sort of saw the raggedy edges and stuff and got just found other stuff just much more interesting. I suppose we should say he's backed by the Stax House Band, which is Booker T and the MGs, which are quite, who are quite well known from Green Onions fame. So which tracks would you want to pick off here? I think this is quite easy. So, Oh, let's see if we agree then. Well, I had... Okay, well, I had Security as my top track on the album, which I do okay. really like. Um, that's what my heart needs. I like, and I like... I do quite like Pain in My Heart as well, and I do quite like I Need Your Loving. But I would pick... I would definitely go for Security, and then probably my second would be That's What My Heart Needs. Okay, my top two are Pain in My Heart and Security. Oh, well, there we go. And, and they are above the other two for me. So Security's in there as our top top pick of the album because we've both picked it. So And and that's actually Notice Reading track as well. He wrote that one, so that's quite good. And I think James Brown recorded it as well afterwards. 
but it was uh, that was or recorded it or at least played it live. But it's nice that we actually picked an Otis Redding track. Yes, that's true. I'm sure we will. As, as is as is Pain in My Heart, albeit a complete rip off. But yes, it's, it's kind of officially a, a Otis Redding track. <laughs> but ripped off. Yeah, yeah. I should say as well, James Brown. Interestingly, James Brown and Little Richard are both from the same town as Otis Redding in uh, Georgia. It's incredible, I thought, that these three massively important musicians all from the same town. Yeah, yeah. And one thing as well, I think, on this album, which the last track is a Little Richard cover, isn't it? And he, he did start off basically being a not quite a sort of Little Richard tribute act kind of thing, didn't he? Yeah, initially. yeah, pretty much, yeah. So... Although I don't particularly like the song on here, necessarily. It is quite a sort of nice thing that's nodded on his first album. Yeah, you're right. He was sort of... It was almost holding him back, the fact that he was such a big Little Richard fan and ended up sort of just doing impersonations of him almost without thinking about it, I guess. It took him a while to sort of move past that, especially as that was already sounding quite old-fashioned by this point. Yeah, because I think initially it was to get gigs, wasn't it? But as as he was a fan and probably used to doing it, it was probably a hard habit mm. to, to break. So for the second track? Well, if you were saying Pen in My Heart, that's fine, because that was in my top four. You're happy with that? That's good. Yeah, yeah. So the, the next album is The Great Otis Redding Sings Soul Ballads, which again is a, just a straight album, so it's definitely included. What do you think about this one? Well, I actually think it's quite similar. To be honest, it feels another rushed out album, feels a bit thrown together, not very well considered. Although I do think the actual playing on it and the production of it is quite a lot smarter. So I do think they've got better. They seem to have sort of taken a bit more care with it. Uh, so from that point of view, I think it sounds better, sounds stronger. But it does, again, feels very thrown together. A few singles, a few B-sides, lots of covers. You know, let's just get a Otis Redding album out as quick as possible. Not a very good name for an album. Although I know we didn't talk about covers yet, but at least the cover's better. Yeah, we just... All right, I'm not going to say any more. Stop, stop talking about such things. All right. But yes, you're right. But it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I generally agree as well. It, it, it is another thrown together one because I, I think Otis's popularity was beginning to increase, wasn't it? And they wanted to get another album out. I do think it's a bit more consistent. So it's it's consistently okay. But I did find it a little bit of a slog, I have to say, because there's not really much variety in the styles. And there's also no standout tracks, I would say. Well, not for me. I disagree. I think for me there's one standout track. And which which is that? Which is the album's closer, Mr. Pitiful. Okay. I think that's by far and away the best track on the album and and the best track probably Otis has recorded up to this point. And another one of his tracks. Yeah, yeah. I do really like that, so that was definitely going to be my vote was after that i'm it's i'm kind of struggling a little bit to pick out any more tracks okay i'm not i mean i do have two others okay i'm not particularly a fan of mr pitiful but as it's your standout track we'll put it in because i don't have a standout track what are your next two my next two are nothing can change this love and that's how strong my love is yeah i would kind of i sort of have um four i think at the top and i've got Nothing can change this love. You're one and only man. That's how strong my love is. And chained and bound, which I've got as my top four. So we could pick the nothing can change this love. Yeah, that's all right. That is a Sam, Sam Cook. Cook. But he was a big fan of Sam Cook, and Sam Cook was killed around this time. So I think that was his tribute to Sam Cook after he was killed. So let's do that. Yeah, and the ranking of the album for me, it is below pain in my heart. Would you? Do you agree? Well, I had the. 
I had it basically slightly above, but it was like hair's breadth are basically equal. So I don't really mind which way around they go. I thought it was more consistent and yeah. I liked I liked Mr. Pitiful and that sort of pulled it up just above Pain in My Heart. But as I said, it's so close, whatever. I think it is more consistent, but I don't think that's a strength. Well, it, if you're saying it's me. more samey as well. Yeah, yeah. Which is not the same thing as consistent. I suppose consistent's about quality, isn't it, rather than style. But I, I'm mm. quite happy with Pain in the Heart to go above it if you want. As I say, they're much for muchness to me. They're, they're both very similar. Yeah, yeah. I, I do think it, it is better. I don't think either are great albums, but um, I do think Pain in My Heart is a little bit better. Well, neither of them feel like they are crafted albums, do they? They, they no. feel like they are just thrown together albums of let's just get some out quick. Yeah, I think so. And that pretty much was the case, wasn't it? They were just um, yeah trot- trotted out to give people something to buy rather than sort of doing a, doing a quality album. So next one is uh, 1965, which is Otis Blue. Otis Redding sings Sold, an unnecessary long title. Should have just stuck with Blue, I think. But Yeah, um, Otis Blue would be quite a good name. Yeah, well, it is what everyone calls it, isn't it? But yeah, I don't think we really needed the other the other part of the title. It's pretty obvious, isn't it? So no trading yeah. album. What else are they going to be doing? <laughs> you know. So what do you think of this one? Well, I think this is quite a lot better. I think it's quite a lot stronger. It's tighter. You can really hear Otis growing into the role a lot more. I think. I just think the songs are better. The covers before when he was doing cover versions, to some extent, you kind of thought well, probably the original was better. Whereas now you don't, you kind of think, oh, he's bringing quite a lot of something different, something new to the covers. So they're starting to, you know, like My Girl and Wonderful World are two obvious ones that are very well-known songs. His version, you start to think, oh, God, I really like this version. So I think he's he's bringing something a lot more there. And I think his songwriting is still not amazing by any means. And the book's quite critical of his lyric writing, I think with good reason. But you, when he's writing songs like Respect, which are obviously a step above that I think, you know, to me it just feels like a much better album. Although still, in typical Stax style, it has that kind of Stax rough and ready charm and that Stax kind of amateurishness. What do you think? Yeah, largely agreeing again. I mean, this one was recorded in one session, wasn't it? One granted 24-hour session with a break when they went off to play a gig. And I think that probably helps to the feeling of it sort of feeling more together as a group of songs. The, the songs do seem, I agree, that they are better. They're better balanced. And it just works just works a, a lot better. I do find My Girl quite annoying, though. I don't like his version of that. It just puts too many oohs in it. Right. It just, it just really puts me off. Too much ooh. Too much, too many oohs. Fair very enough. far. But that's uh, my only sort of, sort of criticism of the album, I would say. Cause... Yeah, I... I... Pretty much like every song on it, I think. I mean, probably my girl. I don't particularly like the song My Girl, whoever's singing it, to be honest. It's not a, a favourite, but I, do, I don't I do mind his version. I do really like his version of Wonderful World. I quite like his version of Satisfaction. And it was quite, at the time, quite brave of him because that was a that was a big hit at the time for the Stones. So he's singing this British white band's top, sing, uh, top song. So that's, I think that's really, I really, I do like it, but it's not a favourite song, again, even by the Stones. I don't think it's a brilliant song. so But I do quite like pretty much everything on the album, to be honest. Yeah, I think the satisfaction is a bit of a nod to sort of his direction, isn't it? And the fact that he was actually influenced by some of the sort of, you know, white bands, UK bands, and certainly was influenced by the Beatles as well and the Stones. So 
and and they were very and they were very open especially the beatles to talk about how they were influenced by a lot of the same people the kind of the rock and rollers the yeah, again, the little Richard Chuck Berry's, I noticed himself, they were really gushing about him as well. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you, I think when you, because we're British, we don't see these things in the same way as Americans do. And all of this kind of classifying music by the colour of the skin doesn't really make much sense to us because we'd sort of never have had those classifications. But at the time, this was a massive big deal about whether you were you know, black music, you had black music railway, radio stations, you know, and things like that. And it was quite separate. I, I suppose we just never, it was always just all in one place for us. So we never really saw that same distinction. So this was a really big deal that there was this sort of cross-pollination between the Stones and the Beatles and people like Otis Redding and that, and this kind of mutual admiration society thing going on. This was quite a big deal at the time. It doesn't look like it to us now because you just think, yeah, of course you would. Of course you'd think Otis was ace if you were in the Beatles and vice versa. Yeah, absolutely. What tracks do you want to pick? I think I'd probably have to pick Respect because obviously it became such a big single, although actually because of Aretha Franklin and her version is tons better. (laughs) But um, I'd probably pick that, I think. And then maybe Wonderful World, but I'm quite open to picking I've Been Loving You Too Long, which I really like as well. I do like Old Man Trouble. I don't think I'd pick it, but I do like that. And I do quite like Down in the Valley. And I do quite like the Satisfaction cover as well. So probably Respect, I've Been Loving You Too Long, or Wonderful World. So two of those three. Does that work for you? Well, kind of. Because I'm not that into Respect, the song. But or rather Otis's version. I I do think that Aretha Franklin's version does completely. It does. You're right. You're right. What's the word I'm looking for? Outshine? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it is just so much better. And obviously, you know, he's um, she's taken his song, completely changed the meaning of it, really. And uh, with good for good reason. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Considering the kind of the original meaning of it wasn't exactly what you'd call profound. No, no, and I think that's part of the reason as well why I don't like it as as you know that much as a song. So I would um, argue against that. Um, okay. You're convincing me actually as you, as you're talking. I have. I think my top couple are down in the valley. And I've been loving you too long. Well, I'm okay with that because I had I've been loving you too long anyway, and Down in the Valley still is in my top three or four as well. So I'm okay with those two being the ones. I think you've convinced me on respect. I kind of felt a bit obliged to put it more than anything else, just because it became such a monster hit. Yeah, I mean because it was Although a big breakthrough for hit for him. Well, it still was a big hit for him, I think, wasn't it? But uh, yeah, okay, not but in Pat- the same way as it was for Aretha Franklin. Yeah, not as monstrous as as after she had a go at it. So, yeah, so. and I mean, I hadn't realised it was his song until uh, no, I didn't know. actually doing this research. It is funny, though, that he it became a feminist anthem in the hands of uh, the brilliant Aretha Franklin. And when he sang it, he was basically saying, when I come home, I want to get some respect, meaning sex. So it was kind of like the opposite of a feminist anthem, in a sense. So it's had, it's had, a, it's had a story behind it, as that, I guess. Yeah. It's had a journey. And I think as well, when Otis was um, performing the song later on, he actually moved it. He actually stole some elements from the Aretha Franklin version, wasn't he? Didn't he? Yeah, yeah. The, you know, the R-E-E-P-C-T, however you spell it. Not like that. But I think you know what I'm talking about. That bit was actually Aretha Franklin's bit, and then he actually adopted it for his version as well. Yeah, well, I mean, I think when when you hear this his version of the song, you realise it's essentially one idea 
that just goes round and round. That's all it is. And it's just sort of furiously delivered, this one idea. Whereas she adds in some additional ideas. And as you say, the correctly spelled ending that where you chant through the letters the is just just gives it another sort of another wind because you've got a, a completely different change of pace and that whole thing and that sort of give it to me give it to me give it to me thing that's chanting on that's aretha franklin as well so those parts really do give it that kind of lift and turn it into something other than just this sort of furiously delivered single idea yeah yeah i i agree and i think that there are the book we read does, as you said, pick up on his um, sort of attitude towards lyrics, which wasn't that... He didn't think they were that important at first. Although I think there was is some evidence to suggest his mind was changing on that. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think this is dirt, certainly one, I think one he, area I mean, where he, he, should, he could have done better on the lyrics, I think. Yeah, definitely. And he was frustrated that other artists who were clearly not as good as him, you know, like Solomon Burke and Percy Sledge and people like that, were getting these massive hits. And he wasn't. And that was one of the reasons that his songs were thrown together with this kind of meaningless lyrics or sort of quite dodgy lyrics or whatever. I'm not saying it was the only reason, but it was one of the reasons. So album ranking, I think Otis Blue straight to the top. Yes, definitely. So the next album, again, will be included in another straight so, uh, solo album, is 1966, The Soul Album. Uh, unimaginative title but the album itself fella what did you think well yeah unimaginative title unimaginative album i think it just feels like a bit of a backward step i thought they'd taken a lot of forward steps on otis blue and it just feels like this again rushed out just throw it together a couple of singles couple of b-sides and this now we get into the point where the beatles are taking their time to make decent albums like rubber soul and revolver and the stones are making you know beggar's banquet or whatever or that might be a bit later, but, you know, uh, the Beach Boys are taking time making properly crafted albums and taking time in the studio. So for Otis to be, again, going in, whacking out an album in an afternoon that's, you know, a bit thrown together, half-written stuff, cover versions and whatnot, it just feels a little bit like a, a bit disappointing, to be honest. So for me, it's a bit of a backward step. Yeah, I totally agree. I'd just be repeating what you're saying, really. I just found um, it, it to look a bit uninspiring and, uh, yeah, more like the first two than the Notice Blue, which is, is far superior. Yeah. Um, I, are you able to pick any tracks off here? What are your favourites? Yeah, I probably Nobody Knows You When You're Down and Out. It's probably my favourite. I also okay. don't mind Cigarettes and Coffee. quite like that. Uh, the song that is. Chain Gang. His cover of Chain Gang's okay. I quite like that. Which, again, is not a song I particularly like before, but I do like his version of it. Um, I don't mind the album opening track, Just One More Day. That's okay. And um, probably Good To Me would be the other one, I would say, is in my the better half of the album. So we do have some. I mean, I've, I think I would be picking Just One More Day and then probably one of It's Growing or Chain Gang. But you said, was it Nobody Knows you're, When You're Down and Out? Is that your favourite, did you say? Yeah, that was my top track. So I've got that fairly high up as well, so I'm happy to put that in. Okay. And then maybe one of those three that I said. So just, well, just one more one day. Well, just one more day all right, yeah. That's on my list, so. Yeah. I think oh. where possible we should try and favour his tracks over his cover versions, I think. Okay, and that is one of his yeah. socks, isn't it? The Just One More Day. Yeah. And where do we rank this album? Well, I don't think it obviously doesn't go above Otis Blue, but I probably would put it above the first two. 
Okay. I, I would have it, I think, below pain in my heart, but I'm not going to uh, argue about it too strongly. Yeah, I, I, nor would I if you wanted to make that case. I, I do think that they're, it's quite similar to those first couple of albums. Yeah. But I, I do, think it's more similar to the soul ballads in the fact that it's, you know, just a little bit more samey, for want of a better word. Well, yeah, maybe, and it's a bit more. It is reasonably inconsistent, but I do think that so, the sort of half dozen songs that I mentioned are actually, I think, are pretty good. So that was why I was think, and I think it does sound better, a bit better produced. His vocals better. He's maturing as a singer. The band are pretty good on this album, although they they always are. So for me, it kind of did feel like a step up from those first two, but but a big step down from Otis Blue. That was all. Yeah. Okay. You talk a good case. I think we'll, we'll yeah. put it in second. I so wish we could talk about the album covers, though. Can't wait to talk about them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, uh... Talking of which... Yeah, yeah it's crying you know, the, out for commentary, isn't it? The next album, again, it's just a straight solo album, so um, is included, is Complete and Unbelievable, the Otis Redding Dictionary of Soul. Again, an overlong title, unnecessary. Yeah, Dictionary of Soul would be fine. Yeah, this is 1966 as well. Do you want to go first this time? Yeah, can do, yeah. Um, so you don't just say I agree with you? Fair enough. I think this is um, a great improvement from the last one. And it's got a lot better balance of songs and better songs in it as well. And I, I actually really sort of enjoyed this album. It's not massive, massive change sort of stylistically or anything here. But, you know, they've got a couple of good covers famous songs they try a little tenderness and day tripper which okay not the favorite songs on the album but they are quite jolly and uh yeah i just think overall it's 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 a nice sort of balanced balanced album really and also in terms of progression for otis the majority of the songs here are do have an otis reading song credit writing credit here on here as well so we are i think beginning to see sort of well not beginning to see but we are seeing more development i think from otis here and I think it really shows, and it, it in the quality of the album, I think, is, is, is a lot better. Yeah, I would agree. Although, as we find out, that just because Otis has a writing credit on it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that he did all the writing on it. I think there was uh, a different kind of standard of uh, about how you got your royalty checks in those days. So, But yeah, I, I, I tend to agree. I think, it's, I think it's a lot better. I do really quite like it. Uh, most of the songs on it there's a couple of ones that are slightly weaker but i do like most of it um i think there are some really strong moments on it and i just think it's got a much better sound it's just it just feels like they're getting their act together a little bit in terms of the way that they're producing the stuff it's still done pretty quickly it's still not a crafted album by any means but it does feel like as you said quite a lot of steps forward really and some really cracking songs on it you know i i really like the opener the 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 talking heads tribute for far 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 the sad song. I really like that. I think that's a great song. I love Hog for You as well. I like I'm Sick Y'all. Um, I do quite like his cover of Try Little Tenderness as well. I did get some criticism from the music press at the time, apparently, but I think it's pretty good. And again, it's not a favourite song of mine, but I, I am slightly swayed by the fact that it's on that live at Monterey and, and it's just cracking on that. And I do like, um, is it You're Still My Baby? Yeah, You're Still My Baby. I like that as well. So those are my kind of top cluster of tracks. So do we have any crossover in the Venn diagram? Is there an intersection? Not massively. I mean, I, quite, I, quite, I like um, My Lover's Prayer, Ton of Joy, 
Love Have Mercy. I think they're probably my top three. And then I would go to The Talking Heads for Fa 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 Fa. So we could put that in because that's our first crossover track. Right. Okay. Well, let's do that for a starting place. And then what was what were the other ones you said? My it Lover's was Prayer. My Lover's Prayer, Ton of Joy, and Love Have Mercy. I, I for me those three are all similar around the kind of middle ranking for me of the album. Okay. So what what were you, what were yours then? I'm sick, you all. Try a little tenderness, and you're still my baby. But I mean, the ones you said, you could pick one of them if you want. It's fine because I didn't dislike them. They were still sort of middle ranking. So if you want to pick one of them, that's all right because we you put my fa 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 ha fa at the top. Okay. So you don't have a preference in those three? Not really. No. Let's go with my lover's prayer because that's that's a slow one compared with the sort of. It's a bit faster, isn't it? The fa 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 fa. Yeah, a ballad. Yeah. Which apparently Jim Stewart, the guy from Stax, he was very insistent that Otis was a ballad singer and was really kind of reluctant to make him do any what they call dance songs, that were more upbeat numbers. Whereas I kind of really thought the opposite was true. I kind of think Otis's strength is very much in the sort of upbeat, dancey, you know, right in your face stuff. I think that's where he excelled. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I think they can always um, bung on the odd ballad on each each record. But yeah, I think it's. I think as they've shown with a couple of the albums before, if you do just have an album of ballads, it just doesn't work anyway. No, exactly. I mean, there's enough room on the album to do both as well. So, uh, th- this was the kind of thing as well that surprised me about this whole process because I, I was surprised how little in control the artist is, and how much of this is actually decided by Jim Stewart as the executive in Stacks, who also did quite a lot of the production. And you got Steve Cropper, the, the guitarist, in Booker T and the MGs, who did a lot of the writing and developed the songs with him. The guy from Atlantic, Jerry Wexler. So you've got all these sort of people that are making all these decisions. And so he's kind of like just getting buffeted around from sort of from here to here while he rushes around the country playing gigs and trying to make some money. That's why these albums happen, because these people are making these decisions and he's just sort of turning up into the studio and, you know, running through the set list. Uh, you know, do you know what I mean? He's not he's not taking the time to just take a step back and go, how do how do I want to sound on record? You know. Well, I think from what they're saying, Otis actually had more control than other artists. That's very but true. It was just not much control, though. Yeah, still not that much. But compared to uh, Motown, that has shocked me. Motown, they basically had no control at all, did they? They were sort of uh, just. Uh, everything was controlled by Motown themselves and at the end of it the artists pretty much ended up owing them money for because uh, pretty much everything came out of their royalties but yeah so we had more than that but quite a lot less than someone like James Brown who seemed to be much more in control so we still need to rank complete and unbelievable I would put this at the top I'm quite happy with it being at the top I think it's there it's next to Otis Blue so either way round works for me but it's, that's definitely one or two yeah, I mean, for me, it, it is definitely above. Not by a long way, but I, I do think it is, it is a more enjoyable listen for me. Fair enough. So next on the list of albums is Here Comes Soul, which is Otis Redding and Little Jimmy... Sorry, no, Little Joe Curtis. Um, this is a compilation, so it's not included. It's basically some... I think it's four uh, songs that Otis recorded very early 60s. You can find them. They're on Spotify under an album called The Singles Collection, 1960 to 1962. But they, I think it was with the popularity of Otis, they 
the studio that recorded these singles found them and bung them out on an album but didn't have enough for an album so they put them with little joe curtis songs so it's not duets or working together it's it's a sort of cobbled together compilation really to for cynical reasons to make money and then also in 1967 is king and queen which most people do include in their rankings but we are not going to as it's a duets album with carla thomas yeah it really doesn't sound like a a notice reading album either It, it does sound like a duets album which obviously it is it does sound like something quite different yeah, definitely. We can um, discuss it a little bit in the in the final part when we, we come back to that. So the next album after that is The Dock of the Bay from 1968. So it's the first um, posthumous solo album. And we are including this, despite it, it is sort of very cobbled together and thrown out. I think just after Otis died in December 67. And, and this was um, released early in 1968, um, Dock of the Bay had gone to number one, and I think it's to capitalise on that. But we are including it. It is in some lists as, you know, one of the best albums of all time, and so I think we have to include it, even though technically it doesn't quite meet all the rules for being a sort of a proper studio album. So bearing in mind we are treating it as one, where do you stand on this one? Well, one thing you didn't mention is that Otis also had an operation on his vocal cords because he'd been getting increasing problems and he'd rested his voice and and hadn't really been able to speak and then hadn't been able to sing for quite a while so he'd gone through this period of convalescence when he'd been doing quite a lot of writing and that's when he'd written the dock of the bay and also he decided he was going to come back and he was talking about being a new man a new sort of leveling up if you like as as a performer as a singer as an artist so this was him uh well some of the songs on this are the sort of new otis reading if you like, and some of them are still from the sort of, if you like, the pre-operation old Otis Redding. So it is a bit of a mix for me. Some of it is obviously things that have been we've seen before. Tramp on here, which was on King and Queen. So it is a bit of a mixed bag, but it does have some absolute crackers. Obviously, Dock of the Bay is a brilliant song, an absolute classic, a fantastic uh, song, and a very different sounding Otis. And there are some, and I, and I do like Tramp as well. I do think that's a really good song. So yeah, the, I think there are some really good. There is some really good stuff on here, and I do like the new Otis Redding style, voice, everything. Better lyrics, better songs, just a, a, a more. I don't know, just a cleverer use of his voice. But then there's also quite a bit of older stuff on here, and it does feel like a little bit thrown together. So I think calling it one of the greatest albums of all time is an exaggeration, but it's pretty good. Yeah, I, I think we we found the album we're disagreeing on. I mean, it it does feel to me feel completely thrown together. Sitting on the dock of the bay is a cracker. Yeah, we've, nobody's arguing about that. Track two, which was a single, one of his ballads. I think it's one of the best ballads he did. I think his vocal performance on that is is excellent. That's a really good song. I don't think there's much else on the album of much value to me. I mean, Tramp, I've, I assumed at the at the time I, I heard it that this was some kind of outtake from King, King and Queen that got was left over. Cause it's quite basically, the contrary, fella. The contrary. Well, I, I now know it's actually the hit single from that album. It's, it's the success of that that spawned King and Queen. The rest of King and Queen was thrown together because of the success of Tramp. Yes, yeah. But at the point of first listening to it, I'd not read the book. 
and I'd not listened to the album, in fact, because um, we had decided to exclude it. So I really, I, musically, I like the Tramp song musically, I really love. I think it'd be great instrumental, but I'm not really into them two bickering over it. Yeah, I quite like that. I think mean, it's quite quite fun. I think the hookup book is probably the worst song he's recorded so far. Yeah, I had that as well. Um, that was way, way down the bottom of the list for me. And I've got, I mean, there's a couple of other, de- like Oh Man Trouble is a good song, but it is just from Otis Blue. And there was another one, wasn't there, from... Uh, well, there's Nobody the, Knows the, You When You're Down and Out is there. Yeah, well, that's it. That's from a, the Soul album. Yeah. Which, again, is a perfectly fine song, but... It, We've heard it before. We have heard it before. And so it is fine in the fact that those those two songs are, are decent tracks. Um, so I think you've got two tracks at the beginning, two tracks at the end that are decent. And for me, there's not really anything else there. Well, let's put the two tracks at the beginning on the playlist then, because we both obviously agree with Dock of the Bay, and it would be ridiculous to exclude that. And I, I had I Love You More Than Words Can Say quite high as well. So I'm quite happy with that. So that's fairly straightforward. I, I suppose ranking it's going to be a little bit more of a tussle. Where, how are we going to puzzle this one out? Because um, I had it I had it third, after Otis Blue and uh, Complete and Unbelievable. Okay. I think we could just put it there. I mean, I would put it lower... But the albums below it aren't particularly strong ones. I think that so far for me, we've got two really strong albums and they're the top two. Yeah, I probably will put Dock of the Bay lower, I think, but I don't have a big, big problem with it. All right, well, let's leave it there then, because I think for me, it's the strength of Dock of the Bay. The the, the, the newer songs that are the kind of new style Otis, I do really like. And I do like where he's going and it's it's such a tragedy that he was killed at this point when he had just sort of really started to find his this this new style that was really motivating him and he was massively influenced by Sergeant Pepper by this time he was sort of listening to it pretty much on a loop and uh just trying to work out what they were doing and how they were getting such great sound so he was really thinking about we do need to spend more time with crafting the albums and you know layering on the tracks and stuff so he was really getting that and you can tell by the quality of Dock at the Bay he's just ignoring the actual song just the quality of the recording and the production is just completely different yeah i mean he did spend a lot of 1967 he, he'd started producing acts and i think he'd realized he yeah. needed to step up his game he'd been listening to sergeant pepper a lot and aretha franklin's album had come out which was the one with respect on and that was a, it is a very good album and it was doing fantastically well and i think he was really realizing he needs to step up his game and he was um, reacting to that sort of in a positive way he'd had the throat operation and his his voice sounded better than ever so I think he was infused by all this yeah absolutely yeah and he was beginning to realise as well he needed to technically step up as well in terms of you know sort of recording more what are now traditional styles rather than just playing a song in a room well yeah because they were doing they were just recording live playing live a lot less by this point they were like playing live at the weekends but spending all week recording as opposed to just playing live, you know, five, six nights a week or whatever, and maybe several sets on a night, and then just recording here and there where you just got a day off. It was much more, no, we record pretty much three or four days a week and play live two or three days a week maximum, which is still pretty heavy going if you ask me, but the shift you can tell. Just the the more careful writing, careful recording, the the whole layering of the tracks, etc. You can just tell, and that's for me why I'd put the album slightly higher up than you would maybe. Although I fully take your point about the dodgy track, the Huckle Buck, and the 
just getting some old stuff and shoving it on just to take advantage of the interest in him with Dock of the Bay and obviously his his, his death being such a big deal as well. So it, it is definitely a thrown-together album. But let's move on. Let's, let's. So 1968 as well. This is from um, Sessions done, I think, in December 1967. This is the immortal Otis Redding. It's a bit of an insensitive name, isn't it, considering he just died? Yes. I mean, obviously, they're referring to uh, his musical legacy. I, Well, I say obviously, hopefully. Yeah. But well, yeah, yeah, it seems, um, well, there must be. It'd be a bit distasteful otherwise. Yeah, but even so, I just kind of think it's not the moment too soon to be sort of going for that, I think. Yeah, it's it's definitely not the title I would have picked. And I can say no. this about most of his albums, to be honest. There's For different quite reasons, a few yeah. R- rubbish titles. Yeah, so this is all apparently one session, pretty much, as well. So, what do you think of this one? Why don't you go first on this one? Okay, I really like this album. It's it's another one that's just in one session, which I think helps with the tone of it. It keeps more consistent. I think throughout, I like every song on the album. The worst song, I think, is probably the happy song. Don't... Do you think? I like that. <laughs> but I still like it. I'm not saying I don't like it, but I think it's the weakest track. Amen as well, I think, is one of the weaker tracks. But I think it works as a final track, so it's not something I would... I know they did release it as a single, but I would not have picked it as a single. But in the context of an album, I think it really works. The first song, I've Got Dreams to Remember, I think is, is one of my favourite Otis Redding songs completely but going back to the the subject of his lyrics i think they made a bit of an error here because the song originally came from a poem that zelma redding wrote to otis who went off touring and she wrote him that's his wife yes she wrote him a love poem about how she missed him and basically the sort of story is the fact that she she took comfort in the dreams about him even bad dreams and it's a, a really nice love poem he got together with Joe Rock and basically changed the lyrics and it's more about him spotting his lady friends smooching with somebody else and how he, you know, is still so in love and everything and really kind of ruins the essence of the whole thing that Zelma came up with, which is much better. I don't think he was ever going to win Husband of the Year, was he? Let's be honest. I mean, not only was he absent for large chunks of the year, but... There were it's quite quite well known that sort of his outside his hotel room was a bit like a doctor's waiting room of young ladies waiting for uh, their chance to get a bit of Otis. So it it doesn't entirely surprise me that he was that flippant with what was actually quite a nice gesture. He did seem quite careless with his uh, with with his wife and and probably with women in general, I guess. Yeah, possibly. Uh, well, not possibly, but judging by the book, definitely. But I think he did say something quite flippant to. Uh, when she gave him the poem, I think. Because he sort of said, oh, I've written you a song or something. And, and he was like, oh, you can't do that. Or, I can't remember what the quote was. And she hadn't realised... It was dismissive. Yeah, yeah, he was dismissive. And she hadn't realised he'd recorded it at all until after, after his death. Which does, they does suggest this. a communication issue. Yeah, it it does, perhaps. But, but this is the absences as well. But there is, on a later album, the an original sort of... With the original lyrics, which is... Uh, We'll come to that album, but it, it's not. It's a compilation album, so the, you can listen to that, and the lyrics are better. But this is a more polished song, and it's still a cracker of a song, but it's just a shame that they changed the lyrics from the originals, which were, were far superior in my view. Well, yeah, especially given the, the story behind it, as you say. 
Yeah, I mean, it's they're better lyrics, and it's also it, they're real. A nicer a sentiment, real... a slightly nicer sentiment, plus they're real, as you say, yeah. Yeah, yeah. As, it's it's a, just, you know, a real love poem. Just a sweeter story behind it. Mm. And, you know, I flippantly dismissed my wife's lovely poem and made it about being unfaithful when her point was quite the opposite. So, yeah, it's not that's not such a great story, is it? Yeah, it's done the sort of the respect thing in reverse. Yeah, <laughs> yes, true, yeah. So what did you think of the album? Well, I kind of largely agree with you. Um, I do think, as I said before, I do much prefer this kind of new Otis sound, as, as he sort of called it himself. So, And that's all the way through this, unlike the Dock of the Bay, where it was kind of a few songs. In this, it's pretty much sounds like it's all been recorded post-operation, post what you call it, attitude change, I don't know, but post-mindset, different mindset. It does feel that way to me. I, I don't, I'd say I'm probably not quite as strong in it as you are. I, I don't really like a couple of songs on here but there are also a lot that i really do like obviously i've got dreams to remember um you made a man out of me i really like as well nobody's fault but mine is good hard to handle of course which i didn't realize was his until we did this no me neither i didn't, no. had no idea it was his song I assumed it was the black crows he's, he's got a writing credit on it anyway yeah it's, uh, we'll which we know is a uh... not necessarily the same thing yes but let's assume it is but it's not by the black crows is, is what we discovered so I, I like that I, I really like think about it as well although again they they tail off they just sort of cut out as if they couldn't write you know finish a complete song or think mm. through the, the sort of intellectual challenge of how do you actually make this complete and end it they sort of never seem to have addressed that so that's still that's a true i think on all his albums though isn't it yeah, they just fade yeah. the songs out but i kind of don't want it to be anymore i kind of think no get better the beatles don't do that the stones don't do that but um what we do know is we're not, we're not a fan of fade-outs anyway. No, we're not. And also, because they record largely as a live band in a room, you'd think actually they'd be more likely to do proper endings. Well, yeah, because you have to do it live anyway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if you're playing a concert, you have to have an end of a song. You don't just People don't fade out concert songs often. But anyway, which songs would you pick and where are we going to rank would... the album? Well, which songs first? Yeah, that's... Um, yeah, I... I would probably say the first two. I also really like Thousand Miles Away and Hard to Handle, which are not ones you've mentioned particularly as favourites. But they're sort of my top four, I think. Well, three of those are my top four. Okay. Uh, I've got Dreams to Remember, You Make a Man Out of Me, and Hard to Handle. Um, My other one was Think About It, which I also quite like as well. That, That would be next on my list. That would be top five. Okay. So just going from that, I kind of want to... I kind of... I kind of want to include Hard to Handle, but I don't. Maybe it's just because it's a well-known song, so I was coming at it. Therefore, it was just more accessible. So I don't know. Shall we first put on "I've Got Dreams to Remember"? Yeah. Okay. Let's do that the, as the best song. Yeah. 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 Good idea. Yep. And now it's hard to handle. Or you made a man. You make a man out of me. You made a man out of me. Yeah. I do prefer "You Made a Man Out of Me," but it's not something I was going to argue over. Well, for me, they were both pretty much level. I like them both a lot. So I'm quite. If you favour that one let's go for that right that is done so where do you want to rank the album well, i would put this top um I, it came out top for me as well the, the only slight doubt i had was just because it wasn't an album because it's posthumous and therefore it's been put together by other people part of me sort of wants to resist that because it just feels a little bit less credible but then when you think about it all of his albums were put together by other people anyway and as we've already discussed, he was actually sort of arm's length control at best. So it is it is the most enjoyable listen. It's the best sounding album. It's got some crackers on it. Let's go for it. Let's let's bung it top. 
Yeah, I think. I mean, for me, it's comfortably top. So yeah, well, I was going to point out when you did say the about it being put together by other people. Well, you know, they all were. So well, as is often the case with me, I do tend to overthink things. It's it's probably probably best. I, yes, it's the better album. So let's just leave it like that. Let's move on. The next album, obviously another posthumous album, Love Man. What did you make of Love Man, fellow? Well, I actually think it's pretty similar to The Immortal in the sense that great sound. Uh, I really I like it. I, it. It's still got that great Otis Redding. The difference in his voice, the richness of it. There's a moment when he even sounds a bit Nina Simone like. You know, he 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 just feels. I don't know, it just feels like there's a lot more to it now and the quality of the the sound, the quality of the songs, the quality of the lyrics, it just all feels like it's it's just in a much better place for me. So I kind of very much see this as similar to the previous one, The Immortal. What about you? Um, we're not agreeing on this one. I think it's um, I think it's, it's sort of up and down. It's a bit of a mixture. Mainly down, I would say. There are some okay tracks, but it's nowhere near standard of other albums. A lot of the other albums, I would say. Oh, really? It's thoroughly unremarkable, I would say. Oh. Really, just you surprise me. No, we are quite not not on terrible. This, and I think we can say of of all his albums, I think they're all quite listenable. But this would definitely be in the in terms of ranking the album, I would be putting them in the bottom few. Oh my goodness me, we are quite far apart on this. Yeah. Yeah, well, this is going to be a this is going to be quite the tussle then, isn't it? So, shall we pick tracks first? Yeah, well, I think by far and away my favorite track is Your Feeling Is Mine. And I do like Look at That Girl. I like I'm a Changed Man. I like that a lot. I'm a Changed Man as well. So, probably they would be my top 3. So, I'll just start there to see if there's any crossover first. What was the third one? No, I've I'm a Changed said... Man, Your Feeling Is Mine, and Look at That Girl. Okay, so look at the girl isn't, but the other two are my top two. Oh, okay. Well, there we go then. So those are the two. Yeah. So the feeling is mine. Um, Your feeling I'm is mine. I'm a change. And I'm a changed man. Yeah. Yes, I do. I'm in there too with the songs that I did really enjoy. So ranking. Well, I had this sort of around Otis Blue level, so kind of second or third ish. Okay, so Otis Blue is third at the moment. So would you want to put it? I mean, I can't. Not above. Otis Blue, I don't think. I mean, I would put it way down, I think. I don't... Well, I think where we've put it there, fourth, so below Otis Blue, above the Dock of the Bay, works for me. I would listen to this before the Dock of the Bay. Okay. So let's leave it there, then, as as a compromise. Yeah. I mean, for me, Dock of the Bay is a similarly weak album overall, but it has more sort of standout tracks. Although, I, I don't know where it does, actually, because they've both got two, like, really good tracks on. Yeah, I think... I think I I would say the doc, Love Man sorry has three really good tracks and then quite a few pretty you know just just one nod, notch mm. down whereas Dock of the Bay I think has its two crackers two or three other really good ones a complete duffer and then the rest of a bit mediocre was to me this is stronger than that but there you go we don't have to agree on everything do we it seems not we uh, we certainly haven't anyway we haven't been that far apart though. But I, I think we do this best when we don't necessarily dig our heels in, but we do actually try and listen to each other and try and, and and be willing to sort of change our minds based on other people's opinions as well. If we just dig dig our heels in and just get sort of a numerical compromise, it's a bit boring, really. Yeah, it can be. But if you're going to bother doing this with somebody else, you might as well listen to them. That's that's a very valid point. So the the last album we are are ranking is Tell the Truth. What do you think of this one? Well, I think sort of similar 
in, in to what we've said about these other two or three posthumous ones but worse so i'm kind of saying about this one what you said about love man so i think there are some really good songs on it but on the whole it feels just generally weaker there aren't the same standouts in the same way there are some really nice tracks there are four or five tracks that i do really like but the whole experience to me is less than the other two or three posthumous albums so it's still got a nice sound to it it's still got some good songs on it it's still a decent album it's still good good to listen to but not as good as the other posthumous stuff there you go i think this has got a they did say with those sessions once he'd come back from his throat operation that they were all very infused and were having a really good time and i think his voice does sound better it really does and it was good to start with it's not like yes. it was anything wrong with it there's no wrong with it but it really has come back with just i don't know just more to it i think and i think this one i think this album you can really hear that sort of enthusiasm it does seem more upbeat to me it's just got a bolder style and it's sort of a more extrovert version of the sort of couple of albums before of this sort of posthumous trilogy of proper sessions really if you ignore dock of the bay and sort of similarly i would be saying about this the kind of things you said about love man all right so we've got these two the other way around yeah so i i i really i sort of like this one i think it's it's good really enjoyable listen and uh, well i have this above in my my version of this i have it above dock of the bay but below love man that sort of place is kind of where i have it so we're not that far apart yeah i mean i would be having it second or third right okay shall we pick our tracks first yeah let's let's do this get this right what have you got near the top then on your list i have give away none of my love tell the truth i think they're probably my top two i would like snatch a little piece yeah they're they're all in my top three my my top three i would say a snatch a little piece and a little time have got the same lyrics. It's the same song, basically, just two different versions of it. I just found, you know, I thought this was quite an upbeat, quite similar to Complete and Unbelievable to me, I think, in sort of style. It's maybe not quite as polished, but that's probably because it's just a session it and they haven't session, quite yeah. finished. Yeah. So we didn't really... Tell the Truth was my top track, so let's put that. Okay. Because we both said that, and then actually... I had a, I had a couple more top tracks as well, but they still I had. Let me see. I had them. I like I like the match game, swinging on a string, natural little piece as well. The same as you. I had give away none of my love, and I had demonstration, the opening track as well. So I think there's quite a lot of crossover there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do like all those. I think yeah, snatch a little piece and give away none of my love are my sort of top two. I would say so. Either of those, maybe, maybe one of those. I, do you have yeah, a preference? definitely. No, not really. I, I I like them both. So either of those to go with Tell the Truth would work for me. And I'm kind of, I am kind of slightly taken with your description of it being a more fun and more up-tempo, more extrovert, as you called it, album. Well, I'd kind of thought it was the one that was a bit more slipshod, a bit more... The, the others felt a bit more polished to me. But I suppose looking at it the other way as you're looking at it... I think we're both right that it is a bit more slipshod, a bit less polished, a bit more... It does feel a little bit more thrown together again, albeit with Otis's new style, which is great. Yeah. But I suppose the other way of looking at it is it is a bit more extrovert, out there, fun. So, so I'm willing to sort of push it higher than my my original position. Okay. I'm willing to cede some ground, I'm saying here. So I've put it in there third. Are you happy with that if we leave it there? Above Otis Blue. Yeah, okay, yeah. I am, yeah. I mean, you ceded some... Grand and put Love Man a bit higher, so that's fine. I'm happy with that. 
Yeah. So, I mean, that that's all the albums we're ranking, but we are going. We have been going through them all. So there is one final album that we're not ranking, which is called Remember Me, which was released in the 90s and then re-released in 2000 as It's Not Just Sentimental. And that's another, I think there was about 14 sort of session tracks and a few alternative versions. So there's, I think, 22 tracks in total. So that is does really come under the sort of compilation it's, it's, well, it's a compilation, so it doesn't really count. Although they probably could have released the uh, the session tracks as an album, but we can talk about that album in the in the last se- last segment. So that is all the albums. In ninth place is the Great Otis Redding sings Soul Ballads. Yep, and eighth is his debut, Pain in My Heart. Seventh is the Soul album. Sixth, possibly controversially is the Dock of the Bay. And then fifth is Love Man. Fourth, Otis Blue. Third is Tell the Truth. Second, Complete and Unbelievable. And the top album is the immortal Otis Redding. So how does our ranking compare to your consolidated ranking of other people? Well, it doesn't agree. So I've taken four internet rankings. One of them was like one where people voted and the other three were rankings that people got together. Giving points for everything, working out number one is Otis Blue. Okay. That won every single poll. It's number one on all four. Second is Complete and Unbelievable. Okay, we have that second. So we have that second, so we're in agreement there. We had Otis Blue quite high as well. We did like Otis Blue. Yeah, yeah, but I think the consistency of everyone having it top. So I'm now just thinking we're wrong. <laughs> I don't think we are, to be honest, but everyone has it top. I think it's just one of those albums that it's got the rep- I think the reputation sort of influences. Quite possibly, yeah, yeah. It's people. I mean, it's a good album, but it's it's in a group of I think four good albums. I think our top four is right. That's that is my opinion. Yeah, I think our top four is right. Third, although it's actually joint second, is Dock of the Bay. Right, okay. That's, un- that's expected to be that quite yeah, high. Yeah. yeah. But again, I don't think it's right. I think it's... I, think I, it's, I agree. You know, just going on, because obviously the song is, is by far the most famous, and it is a cracker. I, I think it's riding on that. I agree. Fourth is Pain in My Heart. Yeah, I can see how that might get quite high, just from the point of view of the fact that it's his debut and it's got a couple of bangers on there, which are really good. But yeah, I, I we might have it slightly low, but I I don't think it belongs that close to the top. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Next is Soul Album. Okay. And then Soul Ballads, which uh, obviously we had bottom. We had bottom, yeah. Then is The Immortal Otis Redding. Oh, right down there. Yep, seventh. Blimey. Oh, they got that seventh. wrong. They've got that That is that ridiculous, wrong. isn't it? Yeah. If um... They must be Black Crows fans that are just really kind of annoyed about the whole thing that it's got out to the public, that Otis Redding wrote that song. That's, that's the only way I can explain that. Um, and next one is Love Man. Okay. And then finally Tell the Truth is bottom. Oh, right. So they've really sort of gone hard at the posthumous stuff. And really, apart from Dock of the Bay, they're really, that's kind of not as well uh, rated. Yeah, absolutely. And, I've, you know, I think it's kind of the opposite of what we've been saying, isn't it? Which is about actually those final sessions. I think for us is, is more what we enjoyed overall. Not to dismiss all the other stuff, but I think for me it's the, the, the more interesting and enjoyable overall, just to generalise. I completely agree with you. 
that absolutely those final sessions really showed you just how where he was going and it's as i said it's such a tragedy anyway obviously when when, when people die in such uh, horrible circumstances as a plane crash but um you know just, just looking at it artistically i think he was really just getting better and better so so i agree i think those that final sessions definitely the best stuff's come out of there so all right let's pause there and then we'll come back for the outro session where we'll get to discuss album covers hooray Yay. Welcome back. We've had quite a bit of a gap, actually, since the last bit, but we'll go into our post-amble now, and it's the bit you've been a bit excited for, John. It talking is. Ab- talking about the record covers comes next. Well, I, I am very excited about this. Yes, I, I do have some views, which I'm uh, looking forward to sharing. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it's quite sort of straightforward here, because the, um, the, there are some sort of, there's some nice ones, and uh, one particular horrible one. I... I... Well, yeah, I mean, there are a couple... Well, look, let's do this a little bit in order because Pain In My Heart album cover is dreadful. It's, I mean, it is a picture of Otis Redding, but he looks like he's about 60 years old and at the time he's like about 22, something like that. It's just, he just looks like... He just doesn't capture any of the good stuff about Otis. It's, but it's, I suppose dreadful's a little bit strong, but I, d- I just didn't think it was a very good album cover at all. And then we go on to the Soul album, and you've got a picture of someone that isn't even Otis Redding. It just doesn't seem to make a great deal of sense to me. And then what? Then we got a really good album cover for the great Otis Redding sings Soul Ballads. I do like that one. So that's my first good one. What do you think of those three? Uh, yeah, I think you're doing these in the wrong order. Am I doing them in the wrong order? <laughs> yeah. Am I? So Pain in My Heart is first. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it does look like it's a picture of some old political leader or something and it's going to be a political album or something because he does look very old on the album it's not a a flattering picture of him no not at all not at all the second album is the great otis redding sing soul of course it is yes which is a splendid album cover it is very good yes very of its time but in in a very nice way then the soul album next is otis blue oh for goodness sake should we start this again well, you, you, when you're editing, you usually leave all my errors in, so I think we should uh, all right, then. perhaps try and carry on. It does at least illustrate to the listeners that, that it has been quite a gap since, it has been quite a gap, since yeah. the last bit. It really has, yeah. Well, Otis Blue, I think, is... Uh, well, I, well, go on, you say. What's, what do, you, do you like this cover, Otis Blue? It's a sort of indifferent. I think it's okay. It's, it doesn't... It is kind of... It's, hard cause it, it's quite an iconic cover now, so it does... I don't know whether I kind of think it's a little bit more stylish than it is, but it doesn't... I think it's all right. I think it's okay. I think it's quite nicely set out and structured. And and you say it's the colours are nice and all of that stuff. But the picture itself, I don't quite see the point of the picture. It just doesn't really make a lot of sense. So sort of the main picture that, you know, dominates the cover, I don't particularly like. It's not, well, it's not that I don't like it. I just don't think it fits in the album cover. Yeah, fair enough. And then next is the Soul album. What do you think of that cover? Well, I don't like that cover at all i just think it's pointless it's um i don't see the point of a picture of someone that isn't otis redding on the front yeah i don't know i think it's meant to be a sort of a reaction to the otis blue cover isn't it maybe because they've got a sort of white blonde woman on otis blue and then it's they have a you know a, a black lady on the next one but i'm not sure but i don't i don't know but yeah not, neither particularly makes a lot of sense but it's and it doesn't seem a particularly arty shot or anything. It's not like no, you know, a, a piece. I don't think you have to have a picture of Otis on, but if if it should, there should be some 
kind of art involved there, which this doesn't seem to be particularly. It's just like no. a nice snapshot of a lady. Yeah, I think she's. It's the kind of thing that she might put as a profile photo on WhatsApp or something like that, or on you know on Facebook or whatever. It's it's not a bad photo of her, you know, but as an album cover for of someone that's someone completely different, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, no, I agree on that. And then, of course, we've got um, Complete and un- Unbelievable, the dictionary, which is, I think, possibly the worst record cover in the world ever. I think it is. I think it is just such... It's just so bad. I mean, <laughs> there is not a single saving grace of this at all. Even, like, down to the font is bad. You know, just every single... I think, my, my, my on the bottom. I mean, what is it? It's bright, it's garish, gaudy, it's ugly doesn't make any sense the sort of teacher figure there oh I think everything about then, it, it is... it's dated as well because it reminds me a, a little bit stylistically of like those sort of 1950s soundtrack albums yeah i guess you know what i mean I guess... like some an adre- a, a bad example of it because i do actually like some of those covers but it because it seems a bit sort of stylistically like that to me that's what it reminds me of i don't, I don't even know what to say to be honest it doesn't really remind me of anything i just think it's absolutely dreadful on, on on every level, on every measure. I hate it. And it's a great album. And it's just such a bad cover. It's a pity he couldn't swap covers with uh, the great Otis Redding sings Soul Ballad, which is a great cover. Yeah, definitely. Um, then Dock of the Bay's next, which I think is very average as well. It's kind of not dreadful, but a bit... Yeah, yeah it's all right. Yeah, it's all right. It's kind of it's kind of a homemade, it looks to me. Like the kind of thing you might do yourself at home with a PowerPoint slide. Yeah, I mean, I mean the album was You couldn't afford a designer wasn't it and it the the album sort of sounds rushed and cobbled together and the cover looks that way as well yeah i agree yeah and then we get the immortal otis redding which is another pretty crappy cover yeah i agree nothing to say for it really just a picture of otis with some fairly old-fashioned looking writing yeah yeah I i wouldn't call it dreadful i mean i just think it's just it's just nondescript isn't it yeah, it's, it's you know it's bottom half. If we were ranking them on covers, it, it would definitely be nearer the bottom, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know actually. Looking at them, it's pretty I hard think, to I say, think isn't it? Would. it? It's pretty hard to say that there'd be that many uh, near the top. I think there'd be more or less all of them in the bottom half. I know that's not how halves work, but and then the, the one after that then is Love Man, which I quite yeah. like actually. Has grown on me a lot more. Yeah, it's all right. Again, it's a bit old-fashioned, but it's not bad. It's it's okay. But it, well, because it, it's 1969, I think, um, and it reminds me of like a, a 70s film soundtrack cover. It does look Again, a bit like that. In a nice bit way. BGZ. So even though it's dated from now, it was a 1969 album. So Yeah, it's all right. And then, and then we, I think we finish off with Tell the Truth, which, um, which I like. I think is a very nice cover. Yeah, I think that's a really good cover again. I would, I would, that's definitely in my top two. I do like that one. Yes, I think clear above the rest. That, but I would have Love Man third. Would you? Well, yeah, okay, I can see why. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. nothing, nothing, the rest of them aren't that great. I don't think yeah. the covers. It's, but those three I do actually like. It's not a stiff competition, is it, for the top? So, yeah, it probably does belong third, you're right. So we, we've sorted that one then. So we move on to extra tracks. Well, I just, just sort of as a, a last comment on that, just how frustrating it is that so little care was taken with that, the whole packaging piece, and how quickly these things were thrown together, quite thoughtless, just quite... But it's a real pity, because these things really sort of are your legacy. They're there for decades. And uh, I found a copy of Otis Blue the other day, for example, in a record shop in London. And, uh, you know, 
here's me in 2022, 55 years after his death. These things stand the test of time and you've got this kind of lackadaisical attitude to it. It's quite frustrating. Yeah, and did you buy the copy in the shop? I didn't in the end, no, and I've regretted it ever since. Yeah, I found the copy in a charity shop a couple of did months you? ago and got a CD. Oh, And okay. I, uh, I, I did get it. Okay, no, I was looking for the vinyl. Don't bother with CDs these days. No, it's the way forward, fella. They'll be coming back in soon. Quite possibly, but you might as well just stream it if you're not going to put a record on. Well, there is that, but my car can't do that. And I quite like having CDs. Fair enough. Right, go on, what are we moving on to? Um, extra tracks. Right, okay. So, do you have any extra tracks nominations? Well, I, well, this is not live ones, is it? This is non-live ones. Correct. Is that right? Okay, well, I think I, I was going to suggest Trick or Treat and Tramp. Because I'd like to put Hard to Handle in, but there's no argument for doing so, because it was a, just a track on The Immortal. So there's yeah. no there's no case for it. Uh, but I do kind of feel like sort of missing off the list. But uh, I can't, I do quite like Tramp. I expect you to argue against it. And I do think Trick or Treat, which is on Remember Me, would be a, another one that I really quite like. So I was going to suggest, because I was going to bring up Remember Me, which is like the final album in a way. And it is, it's the last, I think, of the available session tracks plus another seven alternate takes on on stuff so i was going to suggest a couple of tracks for consideration off there one of which was trick or treat oh well there you go so i think that is carried as an extra track we've agreed on that the other thing i was going to possibly suggest from there as well is the alternate version of i've got dreams to remember um which i know is going off but it there'd be opposite ends of the playlist yeah i can i can see that there's a there's a balance to that uh, i mean i'm certainly not against it i do think it's nice and the story behind the lyrics makes it more poignant that said i don't yeah i mean it's it's not my favorite on the album okay which would be trick or treat but uh, you know i'm not i'm not i do still like it i do still like it but it does feel like a bit of a wasted slot seeing as we've put that song on anyway fair enough Unless you want to put that on here, and we put Hard to Handle on from the actual album. Yeah, you see, I thought about that, and I'm not sure. I thought that was a really good idea. It did, yeah, well, it had occurred to me as well to actually right. to swap it round. We can, I mean, if you're very pro Hard to Handle, that could be a way around that. Well, that's what I thought. I thought it was a, a genius move. Just getting Tramp as well. Because I, I, I don't particularly like Tramp. I'm quite happy to actually add it on as an extra track if you really want. Because it, it covers that album and it was a big hit. Well, if we're going to put... So what are we going to put on? Are we going to put... I've got Dreams to Remember the alternate here as an, extra, as an extra track, seeing as the fact that we kind of weren't really in favour of the lyrical change anyway. Yeah. And then pick Hard to Handle from the album. So we've got one extra track already. We only put two extra tracks, don't we? Well... We, you know, we can do what we want, really. But yeah, you, we usually try and do. It would be chaos if we just did what we want, Tid. But we do do what we want. Well, but within a certain parameters. I mean, the the podcast has a structure and a point and a principle. We stick to one artist. We go through their albums. We rank them. It's not complete, you know, off piece, complete chaos. Yeah, I think the the argument is the although there's no. Sp- Technically, there is no limit to the number of tracks we put on. They do need to add something to the right, list. Yes. So I think Trick or Treat does, in covering that extra, basically, album of tracks, 
the alternate take of I Got Dreams to Remember does because it's illustrating from our discussion in the main bit of the podcast. So then the argument is, does Tramp as well? Because it does represent another album, but it's not a solo album. Yeah, although it is on Dock of the Bay as well. Which we didn't pick. No, I know that. So maybe... Maybe uh, maybe Tramp doesn't go then. Otherwise, we're going to end up with too many extra tracks, which I think is scruffy. Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning towards not including it. Okay. Because it, it was carried. if it was that great, we would have picked it for Dock of the Bay. Yeah. But it's okay. not the top two tracks off that album. All right. Let's move on then. We're doing that then. I've got dreams to remember and trick or treat. Yeah. Um, Which does make it look, if you look at the, the the playlist now, it does make it look like Remember Me is our bottom rated album, which is not the case. It's just not ranked, and that's where the extra tracks have come from. Yeah, and it is, as I said, it, I think I said in the main podcast as well, it was re-released as it's not just sentimental or something like that a few years later. So if you do want to buy it, it's better off buying the newer version because there's a lot more of them about, so it's cheaper. Ah, ever the Yorkshireman fella. Yeah. Right, so then live tracks. Well, I was going to suggest Try a Little Tenderness from the Monterey Festival. Yes. Which I, I, I think I think that's uh, I think that whole set that he did there was pretty amazing. And, but I do really, really like his version of Try a Little Tenderness when he goes live because he really gets going on it and really gets kind of, you know, really gets into it. So I, I, uh, I love that. So, yeah, that would be my suggestion. Of, of the, the bits I've listened to um, him live, I think Live at Whiskey A Go-Go... I think is the sort of best live album. Yeah, I agree. And the Monterey one as well, in terms of it's obviously it's iconic, particularly in his career. So I was thinking one track from each. Okay. So All right. I was going to suggest Satisfaction, the Whiskey Go Go, and I knew you really liked Try a Little Tenderness off Monterey, so that's my suggestion as well. Okay. Well, I'm all right with that. I, I'm not mad on his version of Satisfaction, to be honest. But then I'm not really mad on the Stones song of Satisfaction either. But it's, I think it's a good illustrative track because it was, again, a big hit for him and it was this quite sort of courageous crossover track that he did and all of that stuff. So I'm quite happy with that. Yeah. I, you know, I do quite like it. It's okay. Yeah. Well, I, w- I went through the album and removed all the ones with talky bits that would mess up our playlist and then went through the last few tracks and... This, I thought, was the, the best of those. The pick of the bunch. Yeah. Okay. Well, there we go, then. Let's put those two on. And it, and they both are quite illustrative of his live performance and how he really liked to turn the tempo up and really play at a very, very high tempo. And they both do that. These songs really get sort of very, very fast, which is his trick to get the audience going. So I think we're at the end, then. That's our playlist. We've got our 22 Otis songs. Great. What do we have now? What's next on the agenda? Well, it's next is any other business, but I don't think there is any. No. No, there's no latest Otis news, unfortunately. So, no. Yeah, and then it's just the overall... Well, I, I mean, personally, I think uh, we've we've done a done a good list here. Yeah, I, I reflected a little bit and I kind of thought maybe Otis Blue, should that be slightly higher, you know? But in the end, no, I, I, I do quite like our list. I think we've... Mm. Uh, I'm quite happy with it. I mean, I know it's been, as I've said, it's been a little while since we've done this, and I've listened to bits and pieces since, and I sort of liked Love Man a little bit more than I did, but I'm still, I think, happy with the list as it is. I think it's about right. Yeah, yeah, I, I mean, if you remember, I liked Love Man more than you did. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd necessarily put it above Otis Blue, 
but I probably would have put it above tell the truth. So we're in one of those situations where you can't move whichever way you move it, you've got it wrong. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think for, for me, I think it, it probably suffered from being in between two albums I preferred. And then when I actually just listened to Love Man on its own, I thought, oh, actually, this is better than I thought it was. I think, yeah, those three posthumous albums, I think, were all good. And, you know, as we said in the main podcast, really kind of shone the light on where he was, where he was heading. And for from our point of view, it was definitely step upwards. It's just funny that those other lists put him a step down, sort of getting... They, they put those albums lower, didn't they? The yeah, ge- yeah, generally, yeah. The hive mind of the rest of the world. Yeah, yeah, which, you know, I think... I think they're wrong. Yeah, with, well, they're wrong, yeah. Well, we've established that. At least we've done it scientifically and proved it beyond doubt. I think you're right there, fella. Mm-hmm. 